Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Marlon Roberts. Marlon is currently the Families Better Together Manager for Spay and Neuter Kansas City, a 501c3 whose primary focus is to decrease pet homelessness, increase pet retention, and improve the quality of lives for pets through education and supportive services for families in need. The Families Better Together program is a grassroots, boots-on-the-ground effort that goes into underserved communities to provide education, wellness, and resources as a means of keeping families and pets together. Marlon owns a chihuahua named Milo, whom he rescued from the local animal shelter. In his free time, he enjoys traveling and just enjoying life for what it is. He's currently enrolled in college with plans of becoming an animal shelter director in the near future. Marlon, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. (laughs) I just wanted to uh, ask you, how did you get started in the business? Well, in animal welfare, as a kid, most people tend to grow up and want to be police officers or firefighters. I've always dreamed of being an animal control officer, dog catcher was what I always called it. Um, And it was not necessarily because I didn't like animals, but it was more so I knew that I could be the voice for the animals. And from there, I began at the age of 18. I started working at our local animal shelter and it has boomed from there. I've gotten more involved as ever. It's continually growing. My knowledge is continuing to expand. And with my program and my team here at Spay and Neuter Kansas City, we're just trying to grow and reach every family, including the pets. So how long have you been running this program? Um, I've been in this current position as the outreach manager for Families Better Together for about four years now. Wow, four years. So you've been able to get a lot accomplished, I bet, in the last four years. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you've been doing? Yeah, within the last four years, our goal again is we go into underserved communities, boots on the ground where we know there's problems in animal welfare, and we try to turn that around. Most of the time when there's problems in animal welfare within certain communities, it's lack of resources, lack of knowledge, or lack of being able to afford to be able to get to or even afford decent pricing for services for their pet. And what we want to do is close that gap, that bridge there. We want to close that and be that middle person to ensure that we are reaching these families, reaching the families with pets and ensuring that pets are taken care of even with their financial hardships that they may come across. So getting into a bit more specific details with regards to the program, do you do things like wellness clinics or vaccination clinics in the community? Do you have pet food pantry, provide services for folks that have older cats that need medical treatment that they can't uh, normally afford? Are those the kinds of the programs that you provide? Yes, definitely. So we have we have our pet food pantry program this year. So far, we've distributed over 40,000 pounds of food this year. And what we do is they can come out, clients, they fill out an application. We kind of get a more a better understanding of their financial situation and why they need our assistance. And from there, we then get them set up on our pet food pantry program where they can come up once a month and get cat food, dog food, canned food. They can also receive treats. We have in a, with our outreach program, we go into the community, find those areas that we tend 
tend to get the most animal control calls from or the most impoundments from various areas. And that's where we try to focus on is considered our target areas. We set up offsite vaccination clinics. For instance, we have one coming up on July 16th and you can get your pets fully vetted. Rabies vaccination, a city license, a microchip, a Bordetella and a booster DA2PP vaccination or FVRCP for cats. Um, you can get that for as low as $20. Um, and with community cats, we are, that's the big problem in most communities. There's so many cats reproducing like crazy. We try to hit that on firsthand. We're in the community educating them about TNR and how even if we remove this one cat from your area, it's not going to change a thing. So it's as far as it's not going to remove all the cats. More cats will move in if we move that one cat out of that area. So instead, we educate them about that, get them involved with TNR, which is trapping cats, um, where we trap cats, get them spayed or neutered, sterilized, and then we tip their ear, give them a rabies vaccine and release them back to the same area. And it's beginning to work out. It's beginning to spread. The community is getting involved. We actually had a lady last um, week who was just turned 82 years old, who we successfully captured all eight cats in her colony. And now we have no more litters coming about. She's caring for them. So it's working all in our favor. Wow. That's a great story. Yeah, obviously, TNR is a critical component to a successful uh, community cat program, in addition to supporting folks that need assistance. Can you go into a little greater detail about how you run the TNR program? Is it a collaboration with other smaller groups or do you have a TNR coordinator that monitors colonies and, and helps with teaching people how to trap cats? And do you funnel them into designated clinics? Can you tell me a little bit more about the details on that? Well, we are blessed to have our own clinic here at Spay and Neuter Kansas City. We do our own MASH um, spay and neuter clinics to where we're spay. Our goal is to spay or neuter 10,000 pets a year. And we're pretty, we're getting close to accomplishing that every single year as we continue to grow. Uh, so that's one plus that we have on most other advantage that we have on a lot of outreach organizations that does TNRs that we do our spay or neuters in-house. So what we do is when people call in, we have four members of our Families Better Together program. I'm included in one of those. Someone will call in needing assistance. We then go out and evaluate the situation depending on how many kittens they have or how many adult cats they have or the amount of cats that they have in total. We then get together a game plan on how we're going to do it. We Our goal is to always, and I tell people that all the time, we, we try to get the kittens out of there. We Why not? Why we have the kittens young enough where they can be tamed and go into a loving home in-house. Why not do that? So, And it's been so successful this year as uh, probably within the last, I would say, month, we've rehomed more than 100 kittens. And then we've gotten every single mom fixed and returned back to the colony. And we're continuing to build and get the rest of the colonies taken care of so that we can lower the amount of cats entering our shelters, lower the amount of cats being euthanized across America, and just in general, make cats better neighbors to us and educate the people so that we can understand the cats and why they do certain things in our community and how we can work together to make this a proactive movement to where everyone wins. As a trapper, can you tell me a little bit about what your favorite traps are? And if you're a drop trapper or do you do the more traditional method, how do you approach trapping a colony of cats? 
my favorite trap is going to be the true catch trap. It's brown, the medium sized one. I love it. It's when cats are trapped and when they trigger it and cause it to set, it does not make much noise. It's very silent. Well, not completely silent, but it's not, it doesn't freak the cats out as much as some metal heavier trap that could cause a lot of sound and cause the cats to go crazy while in the traps. But we use drop traps. We also use the traditional traps that tr- that we order from True Catch. And we have two different styles of traps, the True Catch, and I can't remember the name of the other trap, but the bigger metal traps, we, t- we rent them out to the community for them to get more involved in the brown traps we utilize for our outreach team when we're out doing our mass traps. And are you a fan of utilizing transfer cages or do you just keep them in the traps? Due to our space and the way we're set up, when they come in for surgery here, they stay inside of their cage. We make sure that everything is safe for us and also the cats. And then at the time of release, they're then released back into the community. But we only time we'll transfer cats to a different carrier or a cage if they're kittens and there's multiple. We try to get all the litters together, all the litters from uh, each litter that's together. We try to keep them in the carrier together to keep them calm and as comfortable as possible, less stress. I find that the transfer cages are very popular with groups that end up having to do a lot of transport and they do it like in their cars and stuff. So where space is a premium transferring a cat from a trap into a a true catch transfer cage uh, is very helpful because it enables them to put 12 cats in the vehicle versus eight traps. We haven't even looked into that. We definitely, that's something that we haven't really jumped into as of yet, but that's definitely something that from now moving forward, I'm definitely going to research it and see what we can do with that because it'll help us out a ton also. Yeah, there's a group in Nebraska that I worked with in our mentoring program and they just thought part of the mentoring program provided funds for purchasing equipment and they bought a whole slew of these transfer cages and they they just said it was a game changer for them because they had to drive well over an hour to their clinic and um, they were trapping in barns and stuff in Nebraska. It was just, for them, it was a big game changer. So um, it, you know, the tools and the toolkit and the trapping tips, I mean, everybody has a different way of trapping. Exactly. But we all need to be able to share our experiences so that then we can all learn from each other and hopefully make the trapping process as comfortable as possible for the cats, as well as as efficient and effective for us for our time and efforts. Truly agree with that. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Flashlight tag was fun when you were a kid, but no one wants to play hide and seek with their trap. Find your trap's location quickly and safely, even when you visit it at night with the Reveal Wild application for Samsung Galaxy, HTC One, Sony, Xperia, and other Android phones. Or go to tinyurl.com forward slash reveal wild. So now I want to go back to the conversation you just had about kittens. And I think I'm going to label you, even before having the conversation, a deferralizer, which was a term that came out in one of my previous podcasts with Scott Giacopo at the Washington Humane Society. Um, And he likes deferralizing kittens. And it sounds like you're one of those kinds of folks, too. Definitely. If we get there's more than enough kid cats, adult cats on the streets and nine times out of 10, the community does not want the cats there. So as an effort to make an easy median, we definitely do our best to anytime there's a cat that's of a, that's uh, young enough to where we believe that it can be rehomed and put into an adoption center. We totally believe in doing that. There's no need to put a kitten back on the street when it can be rehomed. And of course, we don't want many more. We're getting enough nuisance calls as need be from the community that doesn't necessarily want cats. So why not try to lower, minimize that as much as possible 
table so that we, like I said, we can make an easy median. We win. The community wins. We're removing some of the cats out of the community that are old enough, young enough to be rehomed. And then the adult cats can stick around and just live out their lives as community cats. One thing that I've done in the past, and I'm wondering if you've ever done this sort of strategic approach is, you know, in the summertime, obviously our shelters are usually at capacity or above capacity. So if we see a friendly stray out in a colony, we'll often spay and neuter it, but put it back and sort of wait until there's room at the inn was always my phrase. Is that a strategy that you employ at all? You know, it's so funny because we actually have a beautiful male cat here right now in our clinic that came from a colony that we were trapping in. I put him in the trap and I walk past and I hear like a meow. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm. I'm like, you don't seem to be too feral. <laughs> Let me check you out. And so I bit down and got to his level and looked in the cage and he came up and started knitting his paws and purring. And I'm like, oh no, he's a friendly cat. So and he's actually still here in our office. So I do honestly, I 100% believe in if there's an adult cat, it was, it's a various scenarios. If there's an adult cat and there's not a 100% active caretaker in that community, then yes, if it's a friendly cat, we're going to do everything in our power to try to rehome that adult friendly cat. If it's a friendly cat, but there's an active caretaker who really cares for them and is giving them the adequate shelter, adequate food, three, two to three times a day, then definitely. If that caretaker is okay with continuing to care for that cat and love on it when he's out in the yard or in the area, I'm totally okay with releasing the cat back to the area. But of course, my number one option would be to try to get it into a home if possible or a shelter. But sometimes in the summertime, our shelters are, are way backed up. And so, you know, we have to make different choices about cats in the summertime than we would in the wintertime or starting in like October, November, you know, so it's not all just black and white in terms of making a decision as to specifically how to handle a certain situation, which I think provides some challenges for folks that are working with community cats. But, you know, these are the choices that we make at the given time with the information that we have. Right. Yeah. In the summertime, I mean, we kind of deal with it the same way because cats as of now, like I have people within the community. I My thing is I believe in community engagement 100%. If there's a caretaker and I'm, and I'm coming to your area and you have a mom with kittens and the shelter's full, what I will agree to that caretaker to do is, hey, we'll come and fix the mom cat for free. We will do the trapping. We will do all that for you. If we provide you with a carrier or a, tra- or a cage, a kennel, can you foster these kittens until we get space in the shelter? And nine times out of 10, they're like, yes, we provide them with the food, the litter, any kind of knowledge and we vaccinate and sometimes we sometimes vaccinate and spare new to the pets while they're in that foster care, that short term foster care. And it's working out great, honestly. So we kind of tend to just utilize that to our advantage. You scratch my back, we'll scratch yours. If you help us, if we if we help you get that mom cat fixed so you don't have any more litters from year to year, then we just ask you to hold these kittens for us for maybe a week or two until there's room and then we'll take them out of your hands. So, Marlon, can you tell me a little bit about sort of Kansas and the state of cat overpopulation in Kansas? We're actually in Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, Missouri. Uh, and Sorry. It's, <laughs> it's, totally, it's totally cool. Uh, so it's it's pretty bad here, especially in, of course, the underserved communities, which are our targeted areas, which there's so many people in the community which are that are doing excellent things. We love that they're feeding the cats, but sometimes they just don't understand that if they're feeding the cat and it's not spayed or neutered, they're contributing to it to continue to populate. So it's the key is going to be to continue to get reach these communities, continue to educate, continue to build relations and get people to understand that we have this cat overpopulation and no one is particularly to blame. We all have to work together to get it under control and make it work in our favor. 
Is there an effort at all, though, to capture like intake statistics or or even just complaint calls uh, that go into animal control about cats? I mean, in the areas that I've worked in, calls about colonies of cats, once you get a good targeted TNR program in place, those calls seem to really plummet or practically vanish. Yeah, it's working with with us, with animal control. They tend to call us when we have mass traffic, cat, feral cat, community cat issues. And nine times out of 10, once we leave that address and address the situation, full heartedly we get a positive outcome that community the community members are no longer calling and complaining we're just work they're calling us when they need assistance or they're having a problem with a minor thing and we fix it and we all tend to win from that situation yeah i've found that if as long as you strive to get the colony uh, sterilized at 100% which i always hope that's everybody's objective is yes, to get that, yes. get that last cat and that last cat <laughs> is the best feeling um, and so you know i always think you know i i I've heard some people talk about like an 80% rule and all that kind of stuff. And I'm I'm a firm believer of always trying to get to that last cat because the vicious cycle will start. If you got 20%, it's just going to start right all over it again. Start right over. I'm totally with you. We go for 100% of the colony. We want every single cat that we can see. We need to be writing down its description and making sure we can catch it. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. It sounds like you've experienced that trapper's excitement, uh, you know, of getting the hard to trap cat or that last cat in the colony. And it sounds like, oh, just love to check it off the list and get it done. It's such a powerful feeling when that's <laughs> done. You feel like a superhero. <laughs> and we love it when it happens. And like I said, it's awesome because we, again, we get the, we get the community members engaged. I'm like, if you want us to fix this problem, we need you to be our eyes out here. We need you to spot the cats and let us know how many cats are out there, kind of notate which cats are in the community, which ones are ear chip, which ones are not, so that we we can work together and get all these cats taken care of, make them better neighbors for us all. And the point that you make about the structure of this program that's so great is that it's got community involvement so that then it's not dependent upon one person doing all the work or one small group with three or four people involved. This is something that it's sustainable behavior that you are instilling in the community that will, will be there for hundreds or forever years ahead. You know, this is just going to become common sense. You know, this is what you do. You know, if you've got a you know cat that's abandoned in your yard, you know, you address it as a stray, you get it into a shelter. If you have feral cats, you get them TNR'd. You know, as we go down the road, the world that I envision for community cats is actually is going to be more abandoned cats that we have to address that issue and mm -hmm. less on the feral cat side because they will die off after being spayed and neutered. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, for looking forward where you are in Kansas City, what do you see community cats life being like five to 10 years from now? I, I see it being a lot. It's going to improve. We're not going to have as many cats on the streets. And as, and as you said, it, the community engagement that for me is everything. Word of mouth is everything. Some people in the community don't trust us. If we can get one person in that community to trust us and therefore everyone else in the community trusts that one person, that person is going to tell them, hey, they're cool. They're doing the right thing. That word is going to spread like wildfire. People are going to continue to call us, continue to get engaged, continue to want to learn what this TNR program is all about so that they can see and spread it. They can spread it down from generation to generation to come. So it becomes, like you said, common sense. When we see a community cat, if it's a friendly cat, 
Let's make sure we get it into a shelter if possible. If it's a feral cat and they're continuing to reproduce and no one's monitoring them, let's go ahead and call this organization so that they can get them fixed. And hey, we all win. The cats are totally fine. They're fixed. They're not being trapped and taken to a shelter to be killed. And they're not just sitting there re- reproducing either. Hallelujah. Got it. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, you know, doing this podcast, I've been able to meet so many people virtually um, all across the country. And, you know, I've, I've been in my little corner in the Northeast and um, it's just amazing. I just, it almost uh, brings uh, tears to my eyes because I've been doing this since 1994. And we, you know, we all sort of felt like we were just in our own little world. And Mm -hmm. there really is a huge community out here, not only for community cats, but there's community, you know, cat caretakers and trappers. And we are, there's so many of us out there all across the country and it's great. And I just appreciate you sharing your voice today with us so that then we can hear what's going on in your neighborhood too, which is happening all over. And I really just think this is game changing stuff. It is indeed. So Marlon, if people are interested in finding out more about your program and the work that you do, which I think this model is just fantastic. How could people find you? You can visit us on our website, which is www.s is in Sam, N is in Nancy, K is in Kansas, C is in city.net. So www.snkc.net. You can find us on Facebook, which is Spay and Neuter Kansas City. And we welcome everyone with open arms. We love input. We love, we love it all. We just want to make this world a better place to spread the non-judgmental approach and continue to reach every family we can. That sounds great. Any last uh, tips or uh, parting words for our listeners? All I can say is get the community involved. When you get the community involved with various issues, whether it's animal welfare issues in general or just TNR, it's what you're doing is building relationships within that community. It's such a success story when I come into an area with someone has feral cats and one neighbor's hating the next neighbor. And when we work together to get a common agreement and now they're working together and it's building a relationship, they're now speaking, they're now good friends, it makes it also worth it. Marlon, thank you so much for joining us today on the Community Cats podcast. I hope we'll be able to have you back again soon. I hope so too. You take care, okay? Thanks for listening to the Community Cats podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone. Ah!